Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Everyone now talks about how critical magnesium is for us. A magnesium I love is from BioOptimizers. Their magnesium breakthrough supplement is the only product in the market with all seven types of magnesium. And it's specially formulated to reach every tissue in the body to provide maximum health benefits. Right now, you can try BioOptimizers Magnesium Breakthrough and any other BioOptimizers product for 10% off. Just go to magbreakthrough.com slash willcole and use code willcole to boost your intake of magnesium and start feeling better today. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to the art of being well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. We get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum and Ketotarian and my brand new book is for pre-order right now. It's called Gut Feelings. It's healing this shame-fueled relationship between what you eat and how you feel. It's really a lot of the stuff that we talk about in this podcast, but a deep dive into the research around shame and stress and trauma, even intergenerational trauma, and its impact on our nervous system, on inflammation levels, on our gut-brain axis. So that's for pre-order now. And we're giving away free signed books every month until the book comes out and lots of other free stuff for pre-order for gut feelings. So you can learn about the books, the telehealth center, our clinical work, what we do with patients, all at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, we're also giving away free signed books. If you head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. And Tell us what you love about the show. And every month, no matter when you listen to this episode, we'll be randomly picking winners from the Apple Podcast reviews. You can do it two different ways. You can leave your Instagram handle on the Apple Podcast review, or you can message me on over at Instagram at Dr. Will Cole and screenshot your Apple Podcast review and send it to me. So either way is completely fine. And every month we'll be randomly picking winners no matter when you listen to this episode. All right, good luck. All right, the... Time has come. 
It's another Ask Me Anything. We'll be answering your burning health questions. We have the functional medicine team here. We have on the patient side of things, Emily and Megan. What's up? Hello. Glad to be back. Yep. Same. (laughs) Whatever she said. (laughs) (laughs) So they're functional and diagnostic health practitioners, and they are brilliant. They consult patients with me around the world, and we look at labs, and we get to the root cause of why people are struggling with their health issues. And on the other side of the clinic, what we call it the front side, but that makes them the backside. (laughs) 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 That won't work. But Holly, she's the patient experience liaison. She just makes sure our patients have the best experience of their life with our telehealth center. What's up, Holly? We're back. We are back. So you all need to be sending in your health questions. We have a big Google Doc where you can send in your health questions. You can ask anything you want about hormones, about inflammation, about labs, about gut health, about foods, about what else, guys? About, about all the stuff, all the wellness all stuff it, you yeah. can all think the things, about. Whatever Everything. makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah. And we will add them to the Google Doc here and randomly be picking questions to add to these Ask Me Anything episodes. And at the end of every regular episode, I talked to one of my friends in wellness. At the end of those episodes, I answer one of your health questions and ask me anything. So if you didn't know that, if you don't listen to through the entire episode, at the end, there's something fun for you where I I will get super nerdy for you. But these episodes are devoted entirely to your health questions so we can get to even more of them. And we're also going to cover some exciting research in the scientific literature when it comes to health science and nutrition and wellness so you can seem super smart with your friends and cite some (laughs) study that just came out in the journals. So I think we're ready to jump into your question. So what's the first question, guys? Okay, we are ready to go. All right, so this one says, I saw on the news about a young girl who committed suicide who had Lyme disease. Can you talk more about medical gaslighting and why some people with chronic illness feel depressed or alone? So I did see this. I don't know exactly. It looks like his name is Alain or Alain Champagne. I think they're out of Quebec, somewhere in Canada, I believe. And his daughter, he made a post, I believe on LinkedIn, and talking about his daughter's legacy and what she went through and just to give light to this topic. And this is a very heavy topic, and I want to go through this with the utmost of sensitivity. But this is something that we do see play out on an hourly basis with new patients is people are left to fend for themselves when when they're dealing with chronic health problems, whether that's chronic Lyme disease, which we see a lot of, or mold toxicity, other quote unquote mystery illnesses, different autoimmune conditions, things like chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia. Those are the people that are typically impacted by this the most. And Obviously, there's subsequent anxiety and depression and brain health, inflammatory components to that as well, on top of the psychosocial component of it, of feeling like nobody is listening to you. And when I write on social media about medical gaslighting, we get some of the biggest response in the comments. It's a sea, it's an ocean of people, mainly women, honestly, But look, I think when you look at the statistics, it's very much women to men, women very much outnumber men when you're looking at the statistics of the people that are impacted by these health problems. But I think on top of that, 
there's a societal sexism when it comes to just delegitimizing women across all spaces, not just health spaces. But there is this sort of patriarchal problem when it comes to, you know, that proverbial pat on the head of you're just depressed, take this pill, see you later, or, oh, you must be making it up. Like your labs are completely normal. You're, you're, or you're just getting older or you're just a new mom, or there's something, you know, there's a, has to be some sort of mental, like you are a hypochondriac basically for having these symptoms and despite these quote unquote normal labs. And we all know this, that they're not running the appropriate labs anyways, or they are running okay labs, but it's not thorough enough, I should say. And look, if you're having symptoms despite quote unquote normal labs, either they're not running the right labs for you or they're not interpreting labs appropriately and they're looking at average, not optimal, or both. You know, they, they may not be running the appropriate labs or they're not interpreting labs appropriately. And look, when I'm using the word appropriate, it's completely appropriate within the conventional model of care. I'm not saying that your doctors have doing malpractice. They are doing what they're trained to do. They're trained to diagnose the disease and match it with the medication. So this is not an, a, a maligning of a single doctor. We're talking about a system and how they perceive and look and understand the spectrum between health and health problems. And they aren't even really looking at things like chronic Lyme disease. Many doctors don't even believe it exists. They don't even understand things like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. They don't understand things like mold toxicity. So this is a system problem, not an individual doctor problem. But medical gaslighting is a massive problem that we see for our patients. And I really feel for many of our patients, maybe you all can chime in on this, is that I feel like there's a healing that happens even before we even do anything physically because they know they have a team of people that understand them, that see them, that hold space for them. And there's some catharsis that happens when that when we get there. It's like, whoa, I'm not alone. I wasn't crazy. And then when they get the labs, they're even further validated as to, okay, look, I knew my body. And I, what I would say to everybody here is, you know your body. And when, I, when doctors say things like, don't this sort of hubris of don't confuse they'll say things like don't confuse your google search for my medical degree and what i would say to the person out there is to say don't what the doctors really should be saying and think and what you should <laughs> proverbially not really say this to them but they should not confuse their medical degree with your own intuition mm -hmm. and knowledge on your body and I, I feel like this is a massive problem. But specifically about this girl, I don't, do you all know the report, what actually happened? I mean, she committed suicide. She had Lyme disease. I'm assuming she had these symptoms that we see play out in so many people's lives, fatigue, neurological problems, right. digestive problems, inflammatory symptoms. And I don't know the details of the case. We don't know. It was just a report out of the, it was a trending news story. But what I would say to anybody that is struggling with these health issues is that there is hope. You're not alone. Reach out to somebody, get help, even if it's just initially just reaching out to a mental health expert, like speaking to somebody, getting help, getting a community of people to understand, and then reach out to us because this is something that we have a passion to help people with. But I'm talking too much. What do you guys think? No, yeah. I mean, I, I think that this is such a big and, and heavy topic too. And something we see from the very beginning, I mean, I know that Holly on, on your side of things, 
people call and sometimes they're pouring their heart out Mm -hmm. from the very first phone call that we get saying, can you help me? Is this, you know, they may not even know what's going on. I mean, but how many times have, have you guys had to encourage them and say, Hey, there is going to be hope in this situation and give them confidence that we can help. Yeah. I was actually going to say that as you brought that up. I mean, the amount of phone calls that we get from people that just are truly like at the end of the road, as far as like, I've been to every doctor, like, because you have to keep in mind, this is like, this is discouraging to someone that's been along the journey. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And especially if like their doctors, their friends, their family are like, oh, it's no big deal. It's fine. Every, you know, I mean, that is like incredibly discouraging. So we get people that call that are just like, Oh my gosh, like this is I need I need help and it's very emotionally yeah. draining. And I think what we see a lot within our clinic which I'm happy to to believe that it is changing over time but we do see a lot of people where we're not the first step on their journey we're Right. Almost some people have said this is the last resort, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I think those are the people too that we have to really instill hope in and and a confidence in that hey, like we can truly help and you know, I'm hoping to see that change. I would love to see that change just to have people even resort to functional medicine as their first stop to not to say, again, we're not against yeah. conventional medicine. There's time and a place. And we partner with that all of the time with our patients, PCPs or general practitioners. And But I, I do think, too, that as we are seeing people, it is, it's, we can see a lot of people who were not the first step. And that's where we have to say, you know, we do things differently. But I think all of us in our consultations that typically towards the end of the call and the beginning, probably too, we say, Hey, we can help based on what you're going through. These are valid things that you're experiencing. And I, I even remember my sister being a young girl and my mom taking her to a general practitioner because she had headaches. And they told my mom from the very first time they saw her that, Oh, she's depressed. Let's put her on a medication and antidepressant. And you know, I'm glad that my mom stuck to her intuition of saying, hey, I'm not this, I want a second opinion or, or whatnot. And like mm-hmm. I said, there there are a time and a place for medication like that. There may be a need for that. But I also think too that we should be asking more questions and we should be trusting our gut. We should be, you know, again, researching and taking the steps that we feel need to be taken. Yeah. What do you think, Megan? Yeah. I mean, I agree with all of that. I think we're at a time where there's this almost medical awakening that we all kind of have to be our own health advocates, mm-hmm. especially in yeah. this country. And I I love modern medicine. I love everything about it. I think it's highly interesting, but I think the patient advocacy in this country is kind of crap, just to be completely honest, because look at how many people come to us because they're so fed up with other things that they have tried or people have written them off as that's in your head. And also with that, if it I hate that phrase, like it's in your head, but if we have to acknowledge that whenever you look at these very real research studies and these meta-analyses, when someone is more stressed or has a busier life or they rate themselves as unhappy, they are a lot more likely to develop cancer, heart disease, Mm -hmm. stroke. So why aren't we putting more legitimacy in how people feel emotionally is having a tie to the physical health. Right. That's just my question. And conversely, too, when you feel like crap, yeah. who wouldn't be anxious and depressed? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. what they came first is kind other. of irrelevant because <laughs> right. it's a big, vicious cycle. And that's yeah. what, honestly, that's what my what gut feelings is going to be all about. It, it's yeah. really looking at this bi-directional relationship because your thoughts and emotions do impact your physical health. But mm-hmm. your physical health, i.e. gut problems, yep. chronic infections, 
chronic Lyme disease impacts your thoughts and emotions. Yep. So both sides need just this medical gaslighting on both ends of that yes. spectrum needs to end. Yeah. Because it is killing people. It's killing yeah. people. Right. And we need to realize that we need to hold space for the people that are going through very real things. And mm -hmm. just because your training didn't inform you on how to help them, that is negligence to not say, I. it's not my tools within my toolbox, but I know people who it is. Yep. Yeah. Right. And 100%. that's why this either or BS just needs yeah. to end. It should be both. And yes. just really saying, how do we bring the best of both yeah. worlds? to help someone. I'm not saying the PCP has to know all the things about functional right. medicine, but they need to be collaborative yeah, about for sure. what are things that we need to do yeah. for this person. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, how many times have you, Dr. Cole, outsourced somebody and said like, hey, you do need to see a specialist about this and get them on the phone and I will talk to your specialist or your yes. PCP. We want that connection. We're working with trauma yep. specialists, yeah. like you said, or Emily, we're working with a PCP yeah. and endocrinologist, yep. rheumatologist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's how we help people. Yeah. Instead of like, okay, this is our thing and we have this God complex about, no, the only person that suffers when you have a God complex is the person that's yeah. going through the health <laughs> Very problem. True. We've, and we've had patients who've said, hey, my PCP would love to be on the call so they can learn more about what you're doing. And right. I mean, we're always open yeah. to that. We and love things, when patients have that support. And when things are, that's when I have hope is yes. that when I, when we yep. get on three-way calls with their PCP or their therapist or their eating disorder specialist or whoever, I mean, that is, they're the future. Yes. Yeah. They're yes. the doctors that are within, embedded within the conventional model. And they say, mm -hmm. look, I want this person's betterment over my mm -hmm. ego. And I think that that's, you know, but my heart goes out to this family who, yeah. uh, you know, whoever they are in Canada. And you mentioned, yeah, it's like not just the United States, it's Canada. Yeah. It's, it's really it's any everywhere. Western it's all culture. these Western culture yeah. or based countries. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Perfect Bar? and? You have to check these out. Perfect Bar has a lineup of fresh from the fridge protein snacks that actually taste freaking amazing and are actually good for you too. That's why we are excited to partner with Perfect Bar and share one of my favorite go-to refrigerated snacks with you. I say this all the time, but you know, if there is a sponsor on the Art of Being Well, it's because I love it, use it personally, or I recommend it to patients or both. And this is, without a doubt, one of my favorite things. It's made with freshly ground peanut butter. You all know how much I love peanut butter. Organic honey and 20 organic superfoods. Perfect Bar has a variety of products like protein bars and little snack size bars too that are all so good and good for you. You are sure to find something you love. My favorite is the classic, just regular peanut butter bar, but they have the dark chocolate chip peanut butter. They have so many different choices for you as well. It's absolutely delicious and has been my go-to snack for a long time. Their protein bars have a cookie dough-like texture that's creamy and full of flavor, unlike any other bars out there. And now they come in snack sizes. They're packed with up to six grams of whole foods protein and 150 calories. A little goes a long way. Perfect Bar knows it will be love at first bite. So for a limited time, they're offering you a chance to try the refrigerated protein bars for absolutely free. Here's how it works. Sign up for email or text and upload a picture of your receipt from your local grocery store and they'll reimburse you for the cost of one bar directly into your Venmo or PayPal account. Pretty cool, right? All you have to do is go to perfectsnacks.com slash Will Cole to get a free perfect bar today. That's perfectsnacks.com slash Will Cole 
to get a free Perfect Bar today. Happy snacking. So our next question is, I wish functional medicine was more affordable, but I guess you have to be wealthy or be a celebrity to get help or be a patient of yours. Not really a question, but uh, Dr. Cole, you want (laughs) to? This is a common (laughs) question. This is a common question. Look, at the time of recording this, we've been doing telehealth functional medicine for over 12 years. This is one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world. So we have a lot of deep clinical experience on all different types of people, all different types of walks of life, all different socioeconomic backgrounds, everything you can think of. And I have to say that we've we do everything we can to make sure functional medicine is accessible, affordable to people. And the vast majority of our patients over the past 12 years have been middle-class, regular people, school teachers, nurses, people that have normal nine to five jobs that have to budget for their health and have to figure things out and plan with their family. So that's very much a misconception Mm -hmm. around functional medicine and specifically what like our clinic itself is that they'll see someone that's famous on social media and they think, well, then they'll automatically rule themselves out. And it's very much our culture to see anything aspirational or someone that is aspirational and automatically, I mean, for lack of better words, people tend to have this sort of reactive poverty mindset around it. And they don't realize just to do a little research to actually figure out like what is at play here? Like what are my options? Because I look at the people that we're helping, it's the vast majority of them are just normal nine to five regular people that are not famous Mm -hmm. or wealthy. And of course we have people across the spectrum. I mean, all different types of people. There are people that are definitely wealthy and well and famous, but that's not the majority of our patients. And two plus years ago, we launched our group telehealth model, the autoimmune health reset, which further our goal was to further democratize and decentralize and make it more accessible and affordable for people so people can get their functional medicine health coach and get access to me and get access to amazing functional medicine support. But it's not the concierge side. So we have the group model and the concierge side of things, all telehealth, and it's to give people choice. And I'll say this, is that I see people that are paycheck to paycheck And I see people that are very wealthy and I see people that are, the world would know who they are. I do not see income as the limiting reagent to somebody reclaiming their health. Right. Because I see people that are wealthy or they are, uh, they, people know who they are. And if their why isn't big enough, they have the same excuses as the person that's paycheck to paycheck because they'll say, I'm so busy. I have, I am working. I'm, yeah. I'm doing this. I'm on set for all this time. I can't, it's out of my control. I can't do it. I have to wait until such and such or no, there's no way I can do that. And there's all those excuses. And then you talk to the person that's paycheck to paycheck. They say the same exact thing. So I have patients that are paycheck to paycheck that their why is massive, Mm -hmm. meaning they know exactly what they're going to do. And they're serious about their health and they're relentless and nothing's going to stop them. 
And I have patients that the world will know who they are and they're wealthy and they have that same big why. Mm -hmm. So it's not the income that determines the why. It's so true. So I want to dispel that myth because I have thousands and thousands of studying people to to tell you that is definitely not the case. There are exceptions to that rule. There are people that definitely we need to be there for them that maybe lost their job and they they do need access. There are exceptions to what I just said, but the vast majority of income really is very low on the list as far as what keeps people back. And that's why we have podcasts like this and articles Mm -hmm. like this and books like this and group telehealth model to make low cost and free information for people to start to reclaim their health. What do you all think? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you said a lot of it, but there's the dad jokes and cheesy dad phrases come to mind for me. But like (laughs) I was always taught, you know, invest in your health now or pay for your health later. And that's not just invest your time, but invest your money. If you come to us and you are really looking for a full lifestyle change to feel better, to optimize health and, you know, do amazing things with your life and also even pass that on to your family, make an investment just like you would college or other things, a trade school. Like I don't want to just, you know, put one thing out there, but if you would put that time and money into learning Mm -hmm. a trade to serve you for your life, why wouldn't you put that time or money into us teaching you how to sleep better, eat better, live better, feel better, feel 20 years younger, you know, things like that. And that way, you know, because if not in 10 or 15 years, you might be paying thousands of dollars in diabetes medication, things like that. You know, again, I'm just using examples, but I think it's an investment. And I think if you really want it that bad, you'll make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, even just like you said, you're going to invest in what you value, right? right? Yep. And if you value this, I mean, we have people who come to us who are so desperate to get healthy, so desperate to to find relief and heal their bodies and become stronger and more resilient. And I just think too, you know, that vision is so important. It's such an important part of your life. It's actually one of the the main things we talk about, even when we first sit down with somebody is, you know, why are you doing this? You know, even when someone's starting care, we actually tell them to write it down because there's so much power Mm -hmm. in writing the words out, but in in reading it and speaking it, but knowing your why, what's the vision over your life? What do you want to get out of this journey? What are you hoping? And it's actually part of our application too, of asking those type of questions, Mm -hmm. because when you know your why, like you said, Dr. Cole, your why is going to impact your what, not, Mm -hmm. you know, the reverse. So Mm -hmm. I think that we have to have that vision. And I just, we've seen way too many people that ones who are, who are desperate to find that healing. Those are the people who don't, you know, they're going to invest in whatever they need to invest in. And I actually feel like a lot of times, and Holly and I have talked about this, that sometimes the people that we know have a lot of material things that honestly is such a roadblock (laughs) to their health. Because they're prioritizing things that don't even matter. And they have all these excuses of the things they'd rather spend their time and money on. But I feel like the person that actually has a better awareness, and it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter how much money you have, but you you have a better perspective on what truly matters that's the motivating fuel to get you better. But it's like, isn't that interesting? Sometimes you're like, dang, why are you making these? You you Mm -hmm. would think you have the world at your fingertips, 
but you literally are such a self-sabotager. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Yeah. I mean, the amount of conversations, I just want to let y'all know <laughs> that I have, like, people that are obviously struggling to see past the finances. I mean, it is kind of like you said, it's like, how bad do you want it? Like, you can think of anything that you want in your life that you're like, all right, I'm going to prioritize yeah. this. I'm going to budget for it. I'm going to make away because this is what's important to me. And it's like, as far as our team goes, it's like, we believe in what we do and we hold that to a high value. And so when you come to us, it's like, we're ready to be on the journey with you. And, you know, we definitely don't want that to be what's holding you back. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing a motivational speaker once who he was talking to a large crowd and he asked the crowd, he said, does anyone know the song, know how to sing the song Amazing Grace? Some guy raised his hand. He said, can you just sing, you know, the chorus for us? And he's sang it and he sounded good. And then he said, okay, now can you sing it again, but sing it knowing that your mom is on her deathbed, that your brother just lost his job, that your marriage is on the brink of divorce or whatnot. And he sang it again. And there was so much more passion in it. It was like had soul in it that actually like you could see people starting to cry. Just the way the difference that he sang it was so crazy. And that's when he said, when you know your why, your what is going to look different. Wow. Like, and it, I always think of that when we, mm-hmm. when we talk with patients about this topic, I always think of that video and, and watching him, him do that example. And yeah. I don't know, I just think it's encouraging and it's helpful to know that we have to have a vision there. Yeah. And it moves mountains when people, yeah. Yeah. and mm-hmm. look, look, think yeah. of our most successful patients. Yeah. They are regular, oh my normal gosh. people yeah. mm-hmm. that are up against the seemingly yes. insurmountable. And they reclaim their health Mm -hmm. and there's nothing quote unquote special for them. There's no like leg up in the world that that would make them more successful than the next person. They weren't given a silver spoon, born with a silver spoon. They were just people who had a big why and they were consistent with Mm -hmm. their why Mm -hmm. and they had a support team, i.e. us around them to lead them through those waters. That's the difference. That's the variable. And it doesn't matter who, what's in the freaking bank account. No. At all. Right. Irrelevant. So, anyways. We, we could talk about that all day. I know. We really could. We just see it. We see <laughs> yeah. it. And there's so much misinformation so much. online yes. with the people that just mm-hmm. make these flipping comments. It's like, you don't even know what the frick you're talking about. Yeah. And most of them don't know us either. No, they don't right. know our heart and they don't yeah. know our passion. Right. So. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you hear us, like, you know our heart and, yeah. you know, you yeah. know what, what we're about. But we get yeah. a lot of people that call that don't know the heart. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. We'll pray for you. Yes, we'll pray for you. All right. Next question. This is a good one for you right now, Dr. Cole. So this person said, what are your tips for mold remediation? Mold was recently found in my home, and I'm worried about our upcoming remediation. All right. So, yes, this is appropriate for me right now because, look, for years we have been on the clinical side of, hey, we – see mold on labs, you see inflammatory markers, we run mycotoxin tests, we see high levels of toxic mold in this person's body, it's coming out in their urine, this is not normal. And they are dealing with things like chronic fatigue syndrome or anxiety or weight loss resistance or hormonal problems. And the biotoxins, like the mold toxins are dysregulating that endocrine nervous system inflammatory response. So, I've always seen the mold remediators from the outside and hearing patients say they talk about this whole journey and I've never had it myself, but I recently decided I'm going to move out of suburbia 
and move into the <laughs> farmland in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> off the grid. And be my Enneagram fiveness in home form. <laughs> be a recluse even more than I am already. And I found, they found mold in the basement. It wasn't like an obscene amount of mold, but it was mold that I know clinically is not good for anybody to have in even lower levels. I wanted to just deal with it fully. So doing what I do, I called my friend, Michael Rubino, and I said, he's been on the podcast, by the way. And I said, can you come and get this fixed? So they are at my house at the time of recording at my house right now. And my basement looks like a war zone. <laughs> it, I can't even, and we, we haven't moved in at all. And that's been the nice thing is that we had time to get this fixed before we moved in and all our stuff was in. Cause I realized that's a lot more complicated for our patients. I've seen it like having to like go and rent a house or move in with a, your in-laws <laughs> for a few months <laughs> while you get this fixed. So the question is, what are your tips for mold remediation? I would say if you get it tested first, right, get your home tested, and there are lower cost version, like options like dust tests you can get done if you don't want to have a mold inspector come in. But I would get it, if you think you have mold toxicity or mold problems, if you think mold is a piece to your health puzzle, if you have a history of this being an issue, I would do it properly and thoroughly because you don't, you're just going to waste time and money by not doing it the proper way. So I would recommend if if it's within your budget and if you have access to this is to go and get this properly inspected. What's the one group? Is it We Inspect? Yes, We Can Inspect. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, I actually was just talking to a patient about it, but they're the mold inspection company for the hypersensitive individuals. I hope that's PC, but that's what they're called. <laughs> but basically- or hi- highly sensitive people. Yes, highly, all you highly sensitive mold people, which is a lot more of us than we think. Yeah. But they are a, I believe, a, an American-based company company that can go just about anywhere, but they are really amazing at recognizing that even smaller amounts of mold, hidden amounts of mold in your walls and things like that can be a major hindrance to your health, especially if you're predisposition to mold allergies, autoimmune disease, various issues like that. And it's... I www.yesweinspect.com. We could put it in the show notes, but they're just amazing. And they don't do remediation because that is a conflict of interest. And if anybody comes in and inspects your home, I could go on a like rant, like a rampant like talk about this. Yeah. But if anybody comes in and inspects your home and also says they should remediate as well, that's an extreme conflict of interest. I actually think it's illegal. So you should be using two separate companies for inspection and remediation for obvious reasons. So these guys are amazing. I believe Michael Verbino works and recommends them for the inspection. But yeah, they're just, they're really great for those who might think that the mold is hidden or even smaller amounts of mold that the typical mold test is not going to find for you. Yeah. So I, I would definitely look look into it. And, you know, my tips would be what Megan just said and do it thoroughly, do it properly. Yeah, what I really the first love, time. <laughs> yeah. What I really love about what Michael Rubino's team is doing right for me right now is they are texting my wife and I as they are finding things and letting us decide what we want to do. So they're like, they're taking us along the journey and saying, hey, we found this. Like once they're in and demoing things or removing 
drywall, they can actually see stuff behind the walls. And they're allowing us to decide, like, is this something we want to do or not? And I would say this too, is that how many people do we know where you can't see the mold? And that was the same with our place right now. It's like, it's a home in the country. Like you'd never, it was, it's a newer house, newer renovations. How many people that we've seen with patients say the same thing? Like, I don't see any mold. I don't smell any mold. It's not that. And then they go and remove a drywall and it's all behind the wall. And mold is so microscopic. It can yep. pass through walls or it's in their AC unit. It's yeah, in their the HVAC, HVAC system. That's huge. Yeah. And a lot oh. of them don't test it. Where it's not, you're not smelling it, but it's yeah. being circulating and literally being flow, like airflow right yes. over your face when you're sleeping at night or when you're, you know, during yeah. the day. So yeah. it's definitely something that should be we want to raise awareness, not fear around this, right. but yeah. informed consent and informed action so people can can decide for themselves if this is a piece of their health puzzle yeah. or not. So we certainly don't want to be fear mongers with this. It's definitely, is it a problem for everybody? No, but there is a lot of people, there are a lot of people that have sensitized immune systems. Or if you look at the just the rate of autoimmunity in this world, it is definitely a component to many people's health journey and they don't know it. And there's a bigger, like I would go back to say like mold has been a part of the human race for a long time. Yeah. There are other variables that have led to our sensitization of these issues, i.e. our environmental toxins, glyphosate, what we've done to the soil, soil mm -hmm. microbiome, et cetera. Go back and listen to my episode with Zach, Dr. Zach Bush for added context to that. But mold is definitely a perpetuator of this inflammatory storm for many people. Yep. All right. Yeah. We can pivot now to Let's science. Pivot. pivot. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Old friends reference. Oh, uh, really? That. That's pivot. a friend? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know that. I, know. I like, the, I like the idea of pivoting. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm watching it right now. Pivot. I'm late yeah. to it, but it's a you great show. Friends? I watched it, but I don't, I'm not like, a, I wasn't an avid friend. Oh, were you like in high school when it came out? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're literally aging the entire group on the, how was, I probably was in high school. I, I tried to watch it, it, but it um, got removed from Netflix, I believe, whenever I, it's on I HBO. just started. It's on HBO. Oh, it is? It yes. is on HBO, that's what oh, I watched. So, wait, how old were you when Friends came out? 94 to 2004. Yeah. Emily and I were barely 14. We we're not just, old enough to get these jokes. Yeah. <laughs> not old enough. Same with so all you. Wait, did I you, parents too, did you so. watch it live or did you watch it no, like later on? I didn't watch it live. I watched it, you she know, wasn't as an allowed. adult. As, as an adult. adult. That's like one of those good shows. It's kind of like New Girl. You just keep it on. Like, all right, we get a little chuckle here and there. I don't have to watch anything. So really, yeah, I'm late to the party of most TV shows. <laughs> Great show. Wonderful show. Yeah. I didn't watch Who it either. Who was your favorite so you Friends know. character? I love Monica. But I'm a big Courtney Cox fan in general. Yeah. Like, I could fangirl about her all day. Like, I love know. her. Chandler and Joey, the relationship is hilarious. <laughs> I See, I liked Phoebe. Oh, yeah. Phoebe. Very yeah. funny. She, I always thought that she was funny. You, you, you yeah, yeah. like Phoebe with yeah. the crystals and the auras. Like, well, yeah, and she does like the like the opera things that are hilarious. Yes. That like she's yes. not trying to be funny, but she's funny. That's like your personality. Oh, kind I always watch it. And I see Phoebe's the pointless character. Aww, oh, Phoebe. Wow, that is oh, no, dark. Yeah. The storylines aren't that deep. It's just comic oh, relief. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Megan! I would agree, though. From the episodes that I've watched, she was probably my fave. She, she was just so lighthearted, funny. make me 
giggle. Yeah, make you a know? little, I like that. Monica. Make that a little giggle. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do when pepper I pepper in the giggles. Oh my god! Because Monica Here was a go. hard worker with a line of OCD. Yeah, so Monica, I'm not surprised that you. That yes, you love no, her. that's and you she are tells the Monica. Truth quite harshly. Yes, yes. You, you're basically I'll wrap around the edges. Okay, this is, yeah. It all makes sense. Yeah, we all have a rope. We should do, instead of Enneagram, we should be like, which friend's character are we yeah. all? It probably does tell us. Yeah, there's a quiz for that. Oh, uh, sure Emily, there is. Emily, you'd be, uh, what's Jennifer Aniston's character? Oh. You'd be uh, I Rachel. Would, be Fe- would I be Phoebe? Would I? Probably. You, no, I'm you fine. Joey. You, you yeah, you Joey, Joey. Joey oh, Tribbiani. I, like, I like that stay means tuned. nothing to me. Stay tuned. We're if you say May, we will have our characters after we take the quiz. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay. We will take the quiz. What, what, where are the quizzes? What's that website that has BuzzFeed, right? Buzz, BuzzFeed. Yeah, I'm taking the yeah. quiz after this. <laughs> I'm looking it up. <laughs> it's like probably an official quiz, right? Yes, I mean, it probably yes, is right, sponsored. Yeah. <laughs> we will give you all who yes. our friends' yes. alter egos yeah, are. I'm sure it's extremely accurate. <laughs> all right. So we can first study. What's the first study? Okay, jumping into our study corner over here. Okay, so this one is from the University of Illinois, and it it says, staring at yourself during virtual chats may worsen your mood. (laughs) Interesting. Very interesting. It was published in the Clinical Psychological Science Journal. They used eye-tracking technology to examine the relationship between mood Alcohol and attentional focus during virtual social interaction. (laughs) They found participants who spend more time looking at themselves during the conversation (laughs) felt worse after the call, even after controlling for pre-interaction negative mood. And those who were under the influence of alcohol spent more time looking at themselves. (laughs) Those selfish, drunk people. (laughs) Self-absorbed. It says the more self-focused a person is, the more likely they are to report feeling emotions that are consistent with things like anxiety and even depression. Users of the online video platform Zoom, have you heard of Zoom before? It increased 30-fold during the pandemic, burgeoning from 10 million in December of 2019 to 300 million by April 2020. The pandemic has yielded a surge in levels of depression and anxiety and given reports of heightened self-awareness and fatigue during virtual exchange. Some have posited a role for virtual interaction for exacerbating such trends. So- very interesting study. I always, again, it's fascinating to me that the studies that come out and like, mm-hmm. it's like intuitively yeah. you could assume yeah. this is, a, is a, a component to people's moods. Look, you're talking to people that have been doing this for 12 years. We've been looking at screens, telehealth for a long freaking time. <laughs> and what, <laughs> what would you all find looking at yourself Wait, I want to ask you guys. Well, I'm usually not drunk at do, work. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that too. Like, who's drinking? But, like, do you guys, do you find that you are ever looking at yourself? I, I need to know. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Why? Because yes, Emily's do. a Rachel. No. <laughs> Rachel. Yes. And she's more likely to be the one drinking at work. <laughs> oh. oh, come on. I'm Call just joking. Out. I'm just joking. We're Since entirely the sober. you brought a cider like 20, <laughs> 10 years ago to work. I did, but some, yeah, it, that is true. There was, oh, that, there was that one day. Here we go. There was that one day. <laughs> that was innocent behavior of not knowing what beverage she was buying. Yeah. Aww. But, okay. Uh, all right, listen. I'm not going to lie. I know there's a beauty filter on Zoom, and you all know we have that turned on. Come on. I don't have I it turned on. I yes. never knew about I it. I promise you it's turned Maybe on. Maybe it's automatic. I mean, 
If Wait, it's on I, an automatic, I'm sad. Because I, I those, look better on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what does it do? It just, I don't know. But you know what? It might be a mental thing, a placebo effect. I feel better. I thought those plump lips were just mine. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, listen. I will say, I, I can't stand having camera off or... When cameras are off, because one, I feel like I'm just talking to a blank computer, uh, yep. and two, if your cameras are off, you're you are just seeing yourself at yes. that point, right? So I guess for those of you who like to have your cameras off in meetings, like let's turn them on, people. Yeah, yeah. let's yeah. turn them on. I recently discovered, and I don't do this for patient visits ever, but for our internal team <laughs> meetings, I will have like the little parrot that sits on my sh- shoulder. Or they will have you can do like a pirate patch. I never or knew a any of that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I, I did for yeah. long this long meeting days. <laughs> yes, you better yeah. just better humor, Doctor. Yeah, this will happen help. later today probably. We <laughs> have a meeting after this. I want you to do that. It helps avoid Zoom fatigue. I feel like for yeah. sure. It's a little, a little levity. Yeah, goes a long yes. way. Wow. Yes, but listen. You know what? Those of you who are listening, I'm not the only one who does this. Our whole team do does it. it. They might just not know it. I just don't but, know how. <laughs> yes. It's oh. probably automatically done by our tech team, honestly. <laughs> but I, you know what? I believe it. I believe it. I don't enjoy looking at myself. I try to look at the people. But again, if they have their cameras turned off. Well, well here's my little pro tip. If you're doing tele for so long, I really try to look at the camera and as if I'm looking at the person. Yes. Because I feel like, okay, I want them to have the best experience for, you know, just for our job. Mm-hmm. And I find that I'm more present moment because I'm focusing on them, yeah. not yeah. like looking mm-hmm. at the things around. Look, it is definitely not the same as having somebody in the room, but mm-hmm. you yeah. just roll with it. And it's so normal for me because I've been doing it for so long that yeah. it's it's just part of my yeah. job. When yeah. you're using FaceTime, what I do, and this is just so that I can, again, be as present as possible, I have to move them over to the right side anyway on FaceTime so I can have the notes pulled up at the same time. I'm sure there's a better way to do this, yeah. but it's just the way I do it. So my face on the bottom right corner is cut out completely. Yeah. So I just see them. So God forbid if I have anything like oh, hanging nice. out of my nose, I probably <laughs> wouldn't even notice yeah. it. <laughs> and I do agree too. I mean, when we have to remind ourselves, especially from doing this virtually, that we need to be present and we want to be present. And there is nothing more that can make you more present than looking at that person, right? Mm-hmm. And so really trying to focus on that, I think, is important. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And you can move that screen like mm-hmm. them yes. closer to the camera. Yep. So yes. you're looking at them, but also they are looking at eye contact. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's the tricks of the trade, but the tricks study, of the trade. yeah, definitely. <laughs> don't drink and Zoom, guys. Don't it's a bad drink and combination. Zoom. Yeah, COVID's over now. Don't do you don't it. need to do that. Why, yeah. why would you do it? No. Just, just go out and drink with your friends in person. What a weird ad- <laughs> adding to the study. Yeah. I, don't get it. I know. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. What's the next study? So the next study that we have is from the Journal of Affective Disorders. It's not coming out till January, but it is the association between meatless diet and depressive episodes, a cross-sectional analysis of baseline data from the longitudinal study of adult health. And this is from Brazil, highlighting how vegetarianism might be associated with a higher prevalence of depressive episodes. This survey looked at 14,216 people in Brazil, like Megan said, between the ages of 35 to 74, and they use a diagnostic tool called Clinical Interview Schedule Revised, or CIS-R, was used to determine whether people had episodes 
of depression. The researchers found upon analysis of the data that meatless diets were associated with twice the frequency of depressive episodes. Further, this association was independent of socioeconomic factors as well as lifestyle factors like smoking, alcohol intake, physical activity levels, and body mass index, or BMI. The exact reason for these findings is unclear. So they did control for a lot of factors like smoking, alcohol, physical activity, BMI, which is great, but they don't really know, like there's a difference between causation and correlation. So it's definitely correlated. And I think like the researchers say here, like that we definitely need more studies to look at what specific components are at play here. The study is already causing a ripple effect within wellness because the tribal wars love to get (laughs) triggered with things like this. And the vegetarians and vegans are saying, look, this is not enough and that there's this very small percentage of people in the sample study were actually vegetarians, 82 people out of 14,000. So certainly more studies need to be done. And honestly, Other studies have been done in this avenue. This is not the first one that's looking at this, at the potential nutritional deficits that some plant-based diets could bring. And it could make it harder for people that aren't looking to optimize and strategize and get specific about the types of nutrients, namely vitamin B12, Mm -hmm. folate, true vitamin A, heme iron, like I'm thinking of the of the key ones that could potentially be deficiencies that are most commonly found in vegan, mainly vegan diets, but vegetarian diets too. But look, I wrote ketotarian, like there are ways to do a mostly plant-based diet, but notice I said mostly plant-based diet, but we have people, we have patients that are completely vegan and we have patients that are doing clean carnivore for a season of their life and we have everything in between. So that's the science and art of what we do. Is it's just something can be clinically relevant, but if the person hates what they're doing and they have a lot of inner resistance and they like hate eating meat, that stress and anxiety around that omnivore diet is going to completely sabotage them. They may be, their headspace may be more in alignment with, okay, where I'm at right now, I enjoy eating more plant-based. So let's find the best optimal version of plant-based for you to strategize and mitigate those potential pitfalls for those nutrient deficiencies, like I just mentioned. So they're definitely, you shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, all plant-based diets or vegan diets are completely bad. They're going to you know, make you depressed. But I definitely would say that I could see from a clinical nutrition standpoint how this could be so. And going back to our years and years and years of clinical, like just knowing people, out of the clean eaters that we would say, like, let's think about this. How many clean eaters we see as new patients? Lots of them. Our patients eat cleaner than the average Westerner. Definitely. And the patients that are the vegan and the vegetarians we could go back and statistically say, I would just say anecdotally, looking back in my mind, that they are more likely to have depression, anxiety, and mood yeah. swings. Yeah, absolutely. So what came first, the chicken or the egg? I think there could be an argument to say people that have depression, anxiety, to have some maybe mental, emotional baggage tend to go towards these types of eating. Mm-hmm. Maybe that could be the case where it's not the way of eating that's causing it but there's just a higher percentage of people with these mental, emotional things to work out that are going to eat more plant-based. 
But I will say this, when we optimize their way of eating, we can reverse the depression and anxiety. So I tend to think it's more nutritional problems of impact that has on the gut health long-term, nutrient deficiencies, food for the brain Mm -hmm. uh, deficiencies that we can up these micronutrients and macronutrients that are off. But what do you what do you all think? Yeah, I just had a uh, patient yesterday who came to us, vegan, wonderful, wonderful person, or at least mostly plant based with I think eggs. But either way, she's like, you know, I recognize now that liver and some bone broth is it is making me feel better, and it's because of these. She was very self aware, like the CoQ10 that helps with our brain function. Right. You know, the vitamin A, the B vitamins with help with brain function. Like she really felt more alive now that she was having these foods, and she is an ethical plant based person. And she said, "I view this as my medicine, just like I would take anything yeah. else in my healing." Yep. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "I want to get to a place where I'm mostly plant based, but maybe I still keep in my liver capsules." a couple cups of bone broth and a grass-fed steak here and there. And I said, and some fish, you know, Mm -hmm. preach. I think we can find the middle ground here based on everyone's views. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that too. You know, when we look at food as medicine, then I think that it is going to help us make some good choices. I mean, to be honest, I love having a lot of meat. I (laughs) tell patients all the time, I'm not a huge fan of bone broth. And some of these things, I have had a history of having a harder time implementing these in my diet. I mean, I would gravitate more towards plant-based. However, I do know that they're good for me. I do know that they're medicine to my body. It's information for my body. And so I think having that that mental frame around that and understanding that does help me fuel my body with the things that it needs. Mm -hmm. And so again, it's not perfect. There's balance to it. I have good days. I have bad days. And, you know, it's take it one day at a time. This isn't an all or nothing process. Mm -hmm. And we have to, we have to make sure that we're thinking of it that way. And if people are having more nutrient dense forms of meat, i.e. organ meats, they don't need that much. Right. You can still be 99% plant-based with this a few times a week. Yes. That's all we're talking about. You can Mm -hmm. still be overwhelmingly predominantly plant-based and get healthy. Yes. But it's bio-individuality. I have people that are for religious reasons or spiritual reasons or emotional reasons. They just can't go to eating meat. So let's be pragmatic here and get them healthy. And we do. And they yep. get they do wonderful on an exclusive plant-based diet. So that's repeating myself, but the science and art of this and what's clinically relevant, but also what the person enjoys. And let's design a protocol that works for them on both yep. sides of things. But yes, if someone's wiggle, wiggle room is to, yeah, let's have a few times a week, let's go for the most nutrient dense forms yeah. of this. So you can, you don't have to be a full on, you know, meathead to be healthy, certainly. Yeah. Why is the why is meathead funny to me? I don't know. I'm not sure. Stop using my nickname. <laughs> That's what they call me in high school. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Picking on Phoebe. Such a bully. <laughs> oh boy. I think we finished everything, yeah, right? We yeah. did. Yeah. yeah, we did. Right. We made Any, it. We didn't we we always kick off this we we end the AMAs with a 90s pop serenade. We don't always. <laughs> no, you have made no. this up. <laughs> this All right, is, this, this is, is what comes thing. to my mind. <laughs> there she goes. Oh, God. There, there she goes, goes again. Like 90s, <laughs> like rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that Kate song. Do you who know it? I know it, but I don't Actually, know who I'm not it. positive who sings it, but it is a total bop. Yeah, but- <laughs> 
If you've learned oh. nothing else, there she goes again. There she goes again. It's sixpence none the richer. We don't should know, know anything that. about him, but I love that song. Wait, we should know don't that? Don't. Why should I know that? Yeah. You guys didn't watch like a bunch of like 90s, early 2000s rom-coms. It was yeah. probably in like, I'm sure if you Googled that song, it was in like every movie I watched. one of the best songs of our lifetime, I feel. And I didn't even know the artist, but I feel that way. One of the best songs in 100%. our lifetime. Get my windows down in my car. Just to let you guys know, <laughs> apparently that song is not about a woman, but it's about drugs. Oh. So that just that just ruined my teenage wow. years. Wow. Fitting. <laughs> Isn't that the truth for so many songs? You're like, oh, this like per- you think yeah. it's one thing and it's like it's some like euphemism for drugs. <laughs> oh yeah. Lord. Mm-hmm. Anyways, well, that, that, what, what a okay. note to end this episode on. If you want to learn more about our clinical work, the telehealth center we have, the books, lots of free healthy stuff for you as well, you can check it all out at drwillcole.com. See you next time. Thanks again for listening to The Art of Being Well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit follow and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back every Monday and Thursday, and I hope you will too. Talk soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.